You are now listening to Black Guy Therapy, a therapeutic podcast. Sometimes you just gotta let it ride in there, you know. Sometimes you gotta yes, do that. Sir. It just that's just the way it is. <laughs> anyway, I like it. Welcome like to Black Guy Therapy. It has been a long time. Joel, it's been so damn long that I almost forgot our intro. Isn't that crazy? Man, the, the music put me right back into it, though. It did, right? So welcome to Black Guy Therapy. We are a therapeutic podcast. We are a podcast designed for black men to just vent about issues that generally we wouldn't vent to, um, you know, vent to with anybody else. Sometimes we're like the barbershop and sometimes we're not. But either way, it's therapeutic. So that's the beauty of this, right? Just an outlet. All day. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it's been a while. We know. Don't don't at us. Don't at me, bro. But it's all good. <laughs> um, Joe, how are you today? Man, I'm I'm good. I'm tired, man. I uh you know, I've been on that super kick with the working out. So I'm I'm just pushing my body to the limit, see how far I can push it. But uh, other than that, I'm good. I'm good. So, how about you? How's everything going? Well, I'm great. Well, I'm doing 10 times better, right? Like, you know, I was I was in Miami last week and um, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to Miami, I'm going to have this nice vacation. It's going to be great. And then your boy gets sick, right? Oh, Not man. only does your boy get sick, y'all can probably still hear me right now, but I was like, "Oh lord, cuz COVID don't exist in Florida. Ain't nobody wearing no mask. It, it, right. COVID is out the door, right?" Um, but yeah, your boy got sick couldn't well i could breathe barely right couldn't breathe out of my nose my chest was hurting like coughing it was crazy so i'm like all right i didn't came to florida and then got the damn covid right because that's what that's what everybody thinks right you you got covid yeah of course so <clears throat> excuse me i'm coughing now go to the doctor they do they they covid test me for like three or four different covids and then like three or four different flus it was crazy but let me tell you about the. Now you've had a COVID test, right? Where they stick the yeah. thing up your nose. Yes. So when they did that, what they do? They just stick it up there, turn it a little bit, and then put pull it out, put another one, do that, right? For the most part, but it it, it was not as nice as the way you said it. Well, no, it's it, it's not that nice. I mean, at this point, anybody listening, you know what a COVID test should be right. like, right? <laughs> well, this was like a COVID test on steroids, right? So they stick it up oh, your nose, man. they twist it, right? Then they stick it up, you know, your other nostril. They twist it around like an absurdly amount of times. And then they stick it up your nose and they just let it sit there for like 30 seconds. Now, understand this thing sitting in your nose for 30 seconds. The pain, sir. The pain. It was terrible. And I'm sorry you had to go through that, brother. Well, it's okay, right? But I didn't have COVID, nor did I have any of the other 10 different flu viruses that they tested me for. You know what I got? Sinus infection? The common cold. Common cold. Wow. <laughs> but it's funny, right? Because it's like, wow, the common cold, we all, you know, shit, I think it's COVID, right? Like, oh, my God, it's COVID. Um, but if you think about it, everybody's been wearing a mask for over a year. So nobody's been sick, for real, for real. Yep. So now we're, we're, coming out of, we're coming out of that, and you're seeing this – rise in the common cold because it's back like it never left <laughs> man yeah just just a regular old nasty that, that people pass around from each other yeah it's and what was so back. crazy i got it and then i started feeling better my kid got it oh no not my boy oh yeah yeah and then my wife got it <sighs> it's crazy right but everybody's straight now everybody's good we, we gonna make it good good deal we gonna make it but yeah, so other than that, you know, hey, life's good. I can't breathe, but hey, we here. No doubt. Yeah. So it has been um, a long time. And there has been lots of things that happened um, in the time that we have <clears throat> been away. Um, I mean, should we just, should we just, dive right in or or, or, or what yeah. i mean you got something to say like what's up 
<laughs> I say I say let's jump into it. And and I have a feeling we're gonna go a bunch of different directions today, just because there is so much to to cover, uh, or, or just to touch on, you know, just to kind of share perspective and all that good stuff. So so let's just get going, and, and let's see where the wind takes us today. Well, you want to start, or should I start? Or now you start, because it sounds like you have something that that's pretty heavy. I want to hear that first. You know, I actually don't have anything heavy at all, right? Like. Um, I've actually been trying to follow um, this. Uh, well, actually, let me go ahead and start here. Juneteenth. I'm going to start there. Okay. Why not? Okay. <clears throat> I'm sorry about this coughing. But anyway, we're going to start with Juneteenth. So how you feel about it? I, uh, I, you know me, I've always got the unpopular opinions. Um, I, I think it's fantastic that there's a a level of observation, not a celebration. I don't want people to consider it a celebration because that takes away from what it is to me. I think it should be considered an observation. Um, And I think specifically for those folks in Texas uh, down there on the coast, Galveston, this is a huge win for those folks because ancestry runs right through there. However, you know my position. I I feel like Far too often in in the political landscape, us black folks are are given breadcrumbs and we're extremely excited about it. And and I'm looking at some of the executive orders. Well, one in particular that was signed on behalf of the AAPI. So, you know, your American, Asian, Pacific Islanders that have been uh, at the forefront of a lot of the um, same type of situations that we found ourselves in here in this country for well since we got here um and i say we meaning black folks who were, who were brought here um and, and others who were here or you know depending on how you feel about that and i'm like man how did those orders get signed so quickly and we get the breadcrumbs for juneteenth a national holiday that doesn't sound level to me. Well, it don't to me either. Um, and is this one of those times where I'm like, I'm agreeing with Joe, right? Because this, this, this that's is, crazy. Usually we're, we're on two different ends of the spectrum, right? Or usually I'm somewhere in the middle and you're at the other end of the spectrum. But Fair. Um, I think today um, I, I, I'm going to agree with you, right? Like, I I am happy that we got it, right? I'm happy because this is, you know, maybe, hopefully, right, this forces, um, it forces people who don't look like us to, you know, acknowledge the fact that this happened. And I know they say, you know, we're doing this to honor and celebrate the ending of chattel slavery in 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 these United States, but, um, you know, it, it, we literally have slavery by another name now. Um, yeah. So, and, but here's where it's weird to me, Joel, and I'm just going to say it like it is, right? Deep, deep breath, right? We live in Tennessee, right? Correct. I don't know if you have, if you saw what the governor, like, tweeted on Juneteenth. Did you by chance talking about that? our governor, governor, governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee, William Lee, that guy? What, what did what did William say? He he said, you know, we are excited about this, and you know, this ended slavery or chattel slavery. Well, I don't think he said chattel slavery. I say chattel slavery because that's what it was, right? But it ended Correct. this this horrific thing in the in America, and now we are able to be together and we celebrate and a bunch of BS, right? That's the politician answer, right? Right, right. And it's interesting because didn't they just sign a bill that banned like critical race? Critical race theory. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, this is cool, right? Oh, you're, you're so excited about this. However, comma, period, full stop. We can't teach about it in school. Now, yeah. what kind of sense does that make? So, so to the to the folks who 
try their best to think critically and logically as often as possible, zero. But to, to individuals who are baited by race, as I have been guilty of several times over, you hear a victory or what seems to be a victory and you don't even catch on to the hypocrisy that's going on around you. You got this, this is amazing. You get a day off of work, maybe, depending on if your organization goes by this set of holidays or this set. My organization, we don't go by the natural set of holidays. And depending on your position in the organization, you may have six federal holidays or eight federal holidays. I can't remember exactly the number, but something like that or the other. So that means there are folks on Juneteenth who are still going to come to work. And so, probably more brown-skinned people than white folks. Based on the numbers and the demographics, and when we did our research and our an analysis of who has the upper-level positions, you are one million percent correct. Now, ain't that some damn poetic justice? We <laughs> we we do a, a get a day to celebrate for ourselves and. It's going to be more white folks off, right? It's like, well, damn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just, not that it matters. It's a federal holiday. Everybody's going to get off, right? Or supposed to. Supposed to, yes. Yeah. Supposed to, depending on what you. But I want to say this. My wife said something to me that I thought was very, very interesting. She was like, you know, the sad part is this is really just going to turn out to be something to divide us even more. Because what's going to happen is Juneteenth is going to be for the black folks. Fourth of July is going to be for white folks. And you're going to start seeing the Walmarts and the Targets and these other companies start to market products and things for Juneteenth, similar to the way they do for Fourth of July. Fireworks, black folks ain't going to buy them for Fourth of July, but they're going to turn around and buy them for Juneteenth. And I was like, you know, that's an interesting perspective. And I'm, I want to watch to see if it does happen like that, but it makes sense. I could absolutely see that being the case. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. And it's funny you say that because I was on the Twitters again and I was following, well, I, well, I don't follow her, but I saw a tweet from Candace Owens. Okay. You know Candace Owens, right? Absolutely. Okay, I'm just making sure. Just making sure. I know it's been a while. Yeah. Um, But she was, I mean, she kind of said something to that, to that similar effect. However, you know, she always blames Democrats for everything. So she was like, the Democrats need to stop I think her quote was something like this right the Democrats need to stop pedal or stop rebranding um what'd she say stop rebranding uh I don't remember if it was discrimination or slavery it, it stop rebranding something that had to do with black folks right that we get up in arms about she's like I ain't celebrating on no damn Juneteenth I'm only celebrating the 4th of July and it made me think kind of the same thing it's like okay we're gonna have a group of people who are gonna celebrate juneteenth and not celebrate uh the fourth of july yeah and that's okay right i mean we we are a country where we where we have a bunch of things right we have people who celebrate ramadan and and yep. others who Kwanzaa, don't. Yep. yep we got people who celebrate kwanzaa and others who don't people who celebrate christmas and others who don't right Absolutely. so you know in in a sense i was like i think it's just gonna be yes it's gonna look like that but at the same time it's just going to be business as usual. Now we've just given we and and here's the free game, right? Like we've just given ourselves a, a niche where we can get into it right now because this is this is new, and we can make our money out of it. That's just yes. the, the, the money maker you, you, in me. And no, but I like what you're saying. And and if you think about it, every culture, like I, I laugh about like Cinco de Mayo. Everybody goes out. And St. Patrick's Day, everybody, every whatever your race is, you don't have to be connected to uh, the our Hispanic brothers and sisters. You don't have to be connected to our Irish brothers and sisters. And I say brothers and sisters because I do believe in the concept of the human race. I also believe in uh, the the separation. Racism is real, yes, but capitalism is is more real. And but anyway, I'm not going to go down that route. But I say all that to say, it's interesting how people could care less what the meaning of it is, but they'll take part because generally there's fun involved. Partying, drinking, dancing, acting a fool, all that's associated with those days. So 
I'm actually a little bit more curious. I'm more curious to see what Juneteenth morphs into. That's what I'm more curious to see, just in terms of what the celebration, and I know it's going to be a, I know I said observation, but I, I think it's going to be more of a celebration. What does that look like every year and how does it continue to evolve? I'm really, really curious to see simply because there's never been anything like this that I can think of in my lifetime that was signed into law that was supposed to be a, a again, observation and, and the respects of Black folks. It's the first time I'm seeing that. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that evolves. Yeah, me too. I mean, the, the funny thing about it for me is it's like I go to Target. It's a Juneteenth sale. Buy one, get one free. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a joke somewhere in there, but when you look at it, it's like, oh, buy one, get one free. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. This is, this is how we're going to ride. So that that's interesting because I think I think I'll say this too, Todd. One thing I don't think we give enough credit to is the brilliance of marketing. We don't give it enough credit. And sometimes words mean a lot and we they mean a lot more than we give them credit for. So when you hear something like that, what if that is simply just a play on what it was? Because what could you buy back in the day? You, to your point, what could you buy? Exactly. And if if you're frugal and a good uh, salesman or businessman, you you know what? Tell you what, you buy this, buy this, and give me this. I give you one free. So so it's interesting. And most people are like, oh, you just you you just going over the top. You're a conspiracy theorist. But I mean, hey, why not? Look, I I'm hung up on buy one. Get one free to me in, in my mind. When we looking at that, I'm like, okay, buy one Negro and then get mm-hmm. the baby for free. Like, I just mm-hmm. that's where I go. Absolutely, that's where I go. Absolutely, absolutely. And I shouldn't and go there, but you. that's that's. I mean, that's where I go. You're, I mean, you're talking to a person who, who. Well, I'm almost done with my freaking bachelor's in African American, African and African American studies at the University of Memphis. Shout out to Memphis. <laughs> but I mean, that's where I go in my mind, right? Like, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's very, very yeah, interesting. It is. But I think I think you do yourself a disservice, not you, Ty. But I think people do themselves a disservice by not even considering some of that stuff. Because again, you mentioned it earlier. Okay, slavery. There's a different type of slavery now than it was before, and and most people call it the school to prison pipeline. And if, if you do any of your research on history and how the, the amendments changed and verbiage in them, specifically the 14th, you'll, you'll see the correlation. But again, you might be called a conspiracy theorist if you try to read between those lines. So I'm right there with you, man. I, I think that what you're saying is valid. I think that we need to pay attention to words because they have meaning. I, I try my best on certain things to do etymology studies on words. I want to know what it means, where it came from, what country it originated from, and how we used it to to kind of make it different or better. I try to pay attention to that stuff. So, you know, not going to go down this route either, but even just thinking about the term black and white, like those aren't racist. It's not a race. Black isn't a race. White isn't a race. They're designations. So, when you look at how those words are used, even right now in 2021, you look in the dictionary, look either one of the words up. That's what you're connecting yourself to if you call yourself black or white. Black, predominantly everything about black is uh, without light or evil. You think about the connotations of black in movies and in books. You think about the connotations of white, purity, perfect, beauty, all this stuff. It's just interesting to me how we don't give credit to what words mean and how they're being used and bigger than that, why they're being used. So. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, I'm about to, I'm about to really blow your mind with this right here. What about the people? What about the, the, the States in the, in the union with the black folks who were slaves who don't celebrate Juneteenth? Cause Prime example. 
Yeah, they celebrate Juneteenth in Texas, but I'm from Kentucky. We celebrate the 8th of August because that was the day that we found we found out the news in in the state of Kentucky. Well, Kentucky and uh, like northern Tennessee area. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm like, well, cool, we got Juneteenth, but Juneteenth means absolutely nothing to me, right? Right. Like the 8th of August means everything to me. But and it's just weird, right? So it's like, okay, do I still celebrate on the day that I'm, you know, the 8th of August, the day that I have always celebrated? Because um, I don't know if you've ever been to an 8th of August celebration in, in not, Kentucky no. or like Clarksville, Tennessee, but they get pretty wild, right? It just, I would equate it to like a Juneteenth celebration, you know, how they can get big and rowdy. Same way. Um, it's a big cookout, barbecue basketball game, softball game, tournament, all that stuff. They do it all, right? Mm-hmm. But I guess the point I'm making is you know, what about what about the other folks like me who's like, "All right, Juneteenth is cool, but what, you know, what about the 8th?" And I guess I hate to do the what aboutism cuz that's what that's what a lot of people do, right? Well, what about this? What about that? But yep. I mean, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to bring up a point. I think the point I'm trying to bring up is like to your point earlier is that we keep getting everything else other than what we asked for. Yes. Yes. Even when it's asked for. So, and that was one of the, so, so you made a point earlier today, generally you and I, I think for the most part, our, our end result, what we're trying to get to at the end of the day is exactly the same. Now, how we may go about doing it, that may slightly vary from situation to situation. And, and that was always one of the things that I had, I challenged was, hey, you got to ask these politicians for what you want. I feel like that's been done over and over and over, especially with this new administration, because that was kind of what got them the nod from, from the community that I come from was, hey, they're talking all the things that matter to us. That same group, where do you see them putting the, the majority of their time and efforts? It's not in the community that they came and, and had the audacity to say something I feel as ignorant as, as ignorant as if you don't know who you're voting for at this point, you ain't black. I felt that that was extremely arrogant and ignorant. Now, to your point, though, again, we have an opportunity, a golden opportunity to actually try to not just right or wrong, but to put some preventative measures in place going forward. But we're not doing that. But there's a beautiful 12-foot statue. I believe it's 12 feet. No, it might be bigger than that. Uh, of George Floyd in Minnesota. Did you see that? The one the the, the, the one bust. where he was sitting on the bench or? The the one of his, it's not really a bust. It's, it's just the head. Oh, no. I ha- Well, maybe I have seen that. I know I've seen the, there's, there's another one where they put like a bench and it's like him sitting on a bench like at a park or something. I don't know. Gotcha. Now, it sounds like that's a really awesome, amazing gesture, right? But how does that bench or how does that bust provide equity? Because I'm of the firm belief, especially at the ripe old age of 41, equality is not real. What's real is the individual's agenda. Whatever it is that moves me, that's what I'm going to get behind. So it's not even about equality anymore. It's about what I need. And I think about in a corporate setting, when we're talking about diversity and inclusion, we're not including white folks in that conversation. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Right. So either way it goes, we're still there's still a, a defensive line that's being drawn in the sand. So the question I ask is, all right, you got the, the this statue you got this you've done this you've you've signed juneteenth into law as a national holiday but what are we going to do to close the wealth gap the knowledge gap the the lack of resources in these various communities gap what are we doing about that because those are the things that can change the trajectory of an entire community i agree and and i and i hate i hate i'm gonna say this I hate that, and this is a personal feeling, right? Like, because this is what I, I feel like I see this. I feel like I see 
other groups of people asking for things, right? Like go back to your example, the the Asian um Asian, Asian Pacific Islander group asking for the, they got that anti-hate executive order, right? Signed, yep. But we've been asking for that since we've been here. You know what I'm saying? Like and we we still we got Juneteenth. Yep. You know what I'm saying? We got we got civil rights bill. It's great. I love it, right? It's, right. it's wonderful. We got, uh, you know, the, the equal housing, you know, equal housing, whatever, whatever, right? That's great. Yeah. I love it. We got affirmative action. That's great. I love it. But it's like we're putting Band-Aids on. Bullet wounds. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I was like, you're putting Band-Aids on a bullet wound. Yeah. Absolutely. And I and I hate that because and 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 I guess the question is I don't know if it's if it's us are we are we doing it wrong? Like how is everybody else able to just get it and go but for us it's like oh okay. Well, well hey, we got Juneteenth. Well, hey, we got we got Black History Month. Well, hey, yep. we got this. You know what I'm saying? Like but everybody's like, "Oh yeah, we went to City Hall, we asked for this, we got it." That's right. Yep. It, and it's hard. And, and maybe that's not reality. Maybe it's not, right? But I feel like it's my reality. It's, from my point of view, I feel like that's what I see. And and we talk about this all the time, the trauma, that stuff, because I've seen that, that that's in my DNA now. That's going to be passed yes. down from, from, from me to my child or whatever, and they're going to have that subconsciously. Yes. Yes, I agree a million percent. And, that, and that's really the tough part because – even when people say stuff like uh, those comments, like I have a white friend or I have a black friend or, you know, those things where you, it's almost like you oversimplify it and you just sound like you're trying to do this, but you're saying it and it's not real. Yeah. I find that interesting because even in these instances, I'm like, how, to your point, how in the world does one group, um, our Jewish brothers and sisters, get reparations for something that took place on foreign soil now they got they got paid by germany but then they also were paid by the u.s and the the filipino american war i believe it was is what it was i believe that's what it was called the filipinos that fought on the side of the americans were also paid reparations so we've seen reparations be paid out to groups multiple times over and here it is. And I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that we need to get reparations like tomorrow, because I, I do fear with uh, without that financial literacy, it, it doesn't really put a dent there. And we've talked about that in previous episodes, some things you could put in place to make sure it's actually a value add to people's lives. But why don't people take us serious? And that makes me think like, all right, who controls culture today who who can who controls popular culture everything you see is created by us it's just not monetized by us somebody else is monetizing off of the creativity and the amazing uh, uh innovation of the black mind everywhere you look our handprints fingerprints are all over it so I think sometimes, well, maybe people understand that if we were to ever, ever get to this level playing field for real, that maybe we would be the dominant society and maybe we would treat other societies or other groups similar to how we've been treated. I think about that all the time. I'm like, who's to say that people aren't afraid of that? And who am I to say that if the shoe wasn't on the other foot, that we wouldn't treat people that way? I can't say yay or nay one, one way or the other, but it's just something to think about. Yeah, wholeheartedly. I mean, it, it's funny. That kind of reminds me. It reminds me of. Well, it reminds me of a couple of things. It reminds me of the Wale video, the Sue Me, mm -hmm. um, our, our favorite song, right? The Sue Me, I'm Room for Everybody Black. It reminds me of that video because you you've seen the video, right? Yes. Where yes, sir. Everything is reversed, right? Yep. Where. where Blacks are whites and whites are black. It also reminds me of that video, and I don't know why this popped in my head, but if I, 
have you seen the video of the if if black people said the stuff white people say? Yes. It, it reminds me yes. of that too. Right. I know yes. I may have sent you that, right? <laughs> but yeah, those those cracked me up actually. But but it reminds me of that, right? It's like we do everything and then we're still like oh we're still looked at as like a novelty. That's the point I'm making. Yes. Yes, I agree. One million. Per- Even when you think about birth of a nation, it, it wasn't necessarily that we were looked at as a novelty, but we were we were looked whatever whatever people are looking at us for the most part, we're never being looked at as a serious, effective, impactful person on this planet. That's the way I look at it. We, we we're not taken seriously, and. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, it's all black people's fault. We ain't taken seriously. I think there's blame on a whole lot of different fronts. I think there's things we could be, we could be doing to be taken more seriously, like completely stopping the chase in the pursuit of somebody else's acceptance. Cause that's weird to me at this point. Um, but then there's also the fact that we know historically people have benefited from being on top of us. You know, even the, the 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 literal or not so literal term of you know knee on the neck because yeah. we've seen it both ways so it's interesting to me when I think about it it is it surely is well that was an interesting talk about Juneteenth I will I will relinquish my time <laughs> and um, your turn <laughs> so so. It's funny because, you know, the business my wife and I have, Sam, we had two events on Juneteenth. One was an actual, it was a Juneteenth event here in Franklin, Tennessee, where we were one of the, uh, we had a booth, a table out there. Uh, so we got to participate. At the gala? Kinda, uh, I don't know if it was, you would call it a gala. It was just out there at one of the parks. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know that one. Yeah. Yeah, it was out at Pinkerton Park. And. You know, so we got to experience that, go through that and, you know, kind of share the message of what we're doing for the community, what we're trying to do, at least to put our own handprints and, and impacts on the community. But then after that, we had a fresh meeting and during the fresh meeting, we did something that was a little different. We, um, we, we try to be ahead of the curve in terms of innovation because we never want somebody to hear like a marriage retreat or something dealing with married couples and be like, Oh man, I'm not going to that. I'm not going to leave. And not me and my wife in a fight because all this stuff came up. We try to be very creative. When we do this time, we, it was called movie night. And what we did was we took about five scenes from various movies, uh, boomerang, love Jones, uh, black Panther, um, love and basketball. Uh, and, and I can't think of the other one off the top of my head. So forgive me, but what we did is we took scenes, ones that people were pretty much very familiar with, like Boomerang. I, I, have you seen Boomerang? I have. It's been quite some time. However, I have seen it. All right. Well, I'll give you an easier one. Uh, Black Panther, when T'Challa, the first time he went into the spiritual realm and talked to his father on the ancestral plane. And he told his father he wasn't ready. And his father said to him, one of the, one of the deepest lines to me, a father, a man who has not prepared his children for his death has failed. And he said, have I ever failed you? And the answer was no. So we just, we talked about things like that and what it meant to you. And it was, it was, it's always interesting to me because this, this last season that we were in, and we probably need to go ahead and just shift to the next season yeah. uh, of BGT. But for this season, we were talking a lot about emotions and how men are, are, are dealing with their emotions, how they're looked at for expressing them and, and, Know, whatever it is, just the challenges that come with being a man and having emotions based on the world's perspective of how we should be, who we should be, how we should act, all that good stuff. And and I love having these conversations. And it was the first time we opened it up to singles as well. So we had married couples and single folk all in there talking about this and hearing all the different perspectives. I learned something pretty valid. A lot of the stuff that we've seen that's catered to us is extremely toxic. So you think about Love and Basketball, again, one of those favorite cult movies for, for black folks. And um, the, the woman, I forget her name. Um, geez, I forget Omar Epps' name in the movie, but Sanaa Lathan and Omar Epps. Yep. She comes to him right before he's about to get married. And she's basically, they go through their, that whole little dialogue. And she's like, I play you for your heart. 
And he accepts that. And I'm like, man, this is such a toxic situation. Now, this dude was going through it. She was more concerned with her basketball career than being there to support him. She's within her right. They're young. This is her dream. So that's one conversation. He goes, makes his decisions, and she goes her separate way. She never stopped loving him. He gets somebody else. They get engaged. And she decides that she's going to come back and try to win him back <laughs> with a basketball game. So one, it, it oversimplifies a man's perspective. Two, it, it just, well, let me not even go through each one of the steps, but it made me think about relationships and how we interact today, not just husband, wife, but friend, relative, spouse, children. How toxic are we on a daily basis to where we don't even recognize the things that we've picked up from other places? And I, I was earlier today just talking about something similar, you know, just thinking about like on Friday. How often do people say something like, bye, Felicia? And where the heck did that come from? And why did they start saying it? It became a part of our everyday vernacular. I think it's important that we start thinking about that type of stuff, man. So that that's kind of what I wanted to shift to is how toxic is the things, are the things that are put in front of us, even in terms of like relationships, when they try to make it relationship goals. Love Jones, man, that was such a t toxic situation. Boomerang, toxic situation. But they ended up getting together. What we don't see is what happened after they got together. So just wanted to kind of throw that out there and get your thoughts. How do you feel even the movies that are considered the, the really good black movies, the best man, we all know that premise. How yeah. much do you think that impacts our culture in terms of the relationships we build? So I honestly think, I think, I think this, <laughs> yeah, it may, it looks bad. Right. But I feel like, and this is, remember I stated this, I feel right. I feel yes. like yes. this is when, when people make these movies, they try to, they try to relate as much as they can to us, you know, by, by, you know, trying to say something without saying it, you know, where we can't get it. Right. So one of the one of the things I love saying is put it where the goats can get it, right? That's an old country saying. Put it where that the goats is. can get it. <laughs> and all it means is put it to where the lowest person can grab it and understand it. And and I think when you when you look at these movies and and you see what's going on in these movies, I think for a lot and not all, but for a lot, um, these are situations that happen to them, and nobody has addressed them. So when they when they make these movies, they're showing what they've been through, you know, or or what has not been addressed. Now, it sucks, right? Because to your point, I use I use Medea. I use Medea for this example. You've seen the Medea movie, right? I have. Yes. Now, it's every type of black stereotype under the sun in, in them damn Medea movies. Am I right? Very true. Yes, sir. Now that don't make us look good. And and here's the thing, I'll never forget. This white girl came up to me and she's like, "Oh, have you seen Medea? I just love it when she says, I don't know. She did one of the damn scenes. Okay." And I was like, ooh, this is kind of toxic because this is the message that you're sending out into the world. And this is the message that people are seeing us at. Like, this is what they think we're, we are, yep. right? So what they're receiving. Yep. So, I mean, back to back to those movies, it's the same thing. Yes. It's the, it's the exact same thing, right? Like, this is the message that people think we are, and this is the message, you know, that they're that they're they're receiving, um, because this is what they they know. Or I say they know, and I'm using air quotes. You can't see my air quotes, but it's like these are the air. These are what they. Oh, we know black people do this. We know right. black people do that. 
So we know this is going to sell to black folks. And we also know white folks is going to like this shit because this is what they like to see black people do. Because, again, we're entertainment to them sometimes, right? So they like to see this. Yes. Yes. And I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, so I know I said that I went all the way around the world to come back, but that's my take on it. But it's good that you said that because I don't think we put in, give that enough credit. Like what you put out there, it, it, it reminds me of how in our culture, a lot of people say, I'm going to do me. I don't care what nobody say, I'm going to do me. And I'm like, I understand in theory what they're trying to say, but even in that theory, it's not true. Because what you're saying when you make that statement is, I'm comfortable, I'm confident in who I am. I don't need the approvals uh, and the validation of others to, to look at myself as successful or capable, confident, all of these wonderful things, all these attributes, right? But the reality is when you're doing, when you're performing the actions associated more than likely, it's a behavior that you got from somewhere else. More than likely. And it's, it's just it's just so confusing for me because you got some really, really good people who mean well, but just do weird things. And I try not to be um, overly critical of my Black folks, but because that's where my passion lies is in the improvement of our current state, I have to be as critical as possible. And that's one of the things that I would want, like if, if, if somebody gave me a magic wand, I would wave, I would make my wish that we would be more accountable and, and stop pretending like the only thing that matters on the planet is me, what I'm trying to do, where I'm trying to go, because it's bigger than me. And when we start talking about influence, especially when you have children, like, what do you mean you don't care? If you don't care, how can you ever be a positive influence? But then you have a kid, you have a family, you have people, your, your, your sphere of influence, your circle of friends, your peers at work or whatever it is. You don't want to have a positive impact on these people. You don't care. So basically you're here literally in a bubble where no one else can really be affected by you positively but they can be affected by you negatively and you could care less. I just think it's time that we make some, some wholesale changes to how we see ourselves and the level of responsibility we take for what we put out there. You know, to your point, Tyler Perry, we take responsibility for what we put out there, especially if it paints others in a negative light unfairly and take some accountability for who we are today versus who we can become and who we should be. But, you know, and I'm, as I sit here thinking about it, you know, I, I'm i one of those people who likes to think about the, the, the actual how did we get here, right? Like, I'm one of those people, like, okay, here's the problem, but how did how did we get to the problem, right? Because if we can figure out how we got here, we may be able to figure out how we fix it, right? Yes, yes. So I think back to when we were chattel slavery in these United States, you, and you said this, you know, where we have this, it's, it, I'm going to do me. It's all about me attitude. Well, for so long, that was all we had, right? Like we knew that we could be sold off. We knew that family members could be sold off. So your people had to put you in a position like, all right, you need to be you, do you, just in case you never see me again. You know what yeah, I'm saying? That's that's fair. That's so fair. So if you if you think about it from from that from that perspective, then we're behind, right? Whereas our 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 other counterparts in the United States, they didn't have to do that. Yeah. They they've never had that they've never had that chip on their shoulder, so they don't even know what that looks like. Yeah. Whereas we've yeah. always had that chip on our shoulder. So it 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 carries it, it goes through our DNA. It carries, right? Like, all right, I'm in this. I'm using slavery as an example because we're talking history. So I'm I'm in this bad situation. I'm okay. We'll use uh, what's her name? Um, 
what's my girl that freed all the slaves? Um, Harriet. Harriet Tubman. I can't believe I forgot Harriet's name. But uh, think about Harriet. Harriet, she, well, she had an I'm going to do me attitude, right? She said, I'm, I'm going to do this. And she did it. And then she came back, right? And, and, that's, and that's the point I'm making, you know, like how can we get out of it? Well, somebody's got to get out of it, got to have that do me attitude, see the other side, and then come back and grab everybody else. And then that I, fixes. I feel like for me that fixes that 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 cycle. You know, I like that. No, 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 I like it. I like it. And and here here's what I'll say too, Todd. This is one of my firm beliefs. I'm not big on depending on how someone defines racism, will it it it, it definitely helps to shape how that conversation will go with that person. Because people's definition for racism is different. What I want to see is a, I want to see us get to a point, to a place where we're not begging, like all these organizations that have the diversity and inclusion efforts, like that's fantastic, but let's be real. Like we were taught as kids, if if so-and-so don't want to play with you, you go play by yourself, right? Wasn't yep. that something we were taught as children? Yep. So I'm trying to understand how do we rationalize as adults that we still need to beg to play with Johnny if Johnny don't want to play with us. If we spent half the time that we spend right now telling everybody how unfair they are to us and how they're holding back resources, information from us, and all of it's true, not to say it's not true, it's all true, but what if we realigned, reassessed, created a new version of success like hey success may not mean that i can live in 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 this neighborhood over here in these million dollar houses maybe i can only afford to live in this 150 250,000 dollar house and maybe i'm okay with that but at the same time i'm able to be there with my children all the time to help to raise them keep them out the streets keep them from making bad choices uh help them to to develop that self-worth like maybe that's the things that we should be chasing as opposed to simply it being about money being paid for our free labor again we deserve it but somebody's got to sign off on it and that's always my challenge that means we have to go we have to beg i say beg but we have to go in and create this case we have to present this case somebody has to buy into that case and then they have to say yes if they never say yes, how long are we going to keep asking? Why can't we spend that time and do something like, you know, something that we've had conversations about? Start a susu. Yeah. That's my challenge with where we are. I, I, I don't want to continually sit here and be like, oh, racism is the reason why I'm not where I need to be. No, I'm not where I need to be at this point. Because I can see clearly, I can look at things logically. I'm not where I need to be because I'm focusing my attention in places they don't need to be. And my version of success is based off of what someone else gave me for it to look like. That's what I'm working on right now for Joel. And if I can adjust that for me, then it becomes my responsibility to try to share that information. You know, lead a horse to water. I can't make anybody drink it, but I can at least share the info. So that's what I'm on right now. And that makes perfect sense. I like it. I like it. I've got a sneaking suspicion. You're about to tell me it's time. No, not yet. I mean, we're we're getting close. <laughs> we are getting close. We got about 10 minutes. Well, really, we got about six minutes. Okay. So, okay. yeah, we're close to time. But um, I didn't know if you had another thought. I was going to let you carry on. But yes, I <laughs> well, did get quiet because I was checking the time. <laughs> I figured as much. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, again, that's kind of where I'm at, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm really huge on not just segregation, but uh, uh, segregation in in theory. Like the theory of segregation makes sense to me. Like if you look at various cities in, in the U.S., you'll have... Uh, 
Little Italy. You'll have the Irish part of town. You'll have the Asian part of town. You'll have all these other. Uh-oh. Joel, you cut out on us, buddy. Really? Yeah, you said you'll have all these other, and then it stopped. Oh, wow. That's weird. I was basically saying you'll have a lot of other nationalities that'll have all the infrastructure in place, their own businesses, own, own sources of money lending. Um, the, the monies cycle through those communities significantly longer than they cycle through ours. But nobody looks at them and says, hey, you're racist for having a little Italy in the middle of Chicago or in the middle of Nashville or wherever else. You get what I'm saying? And I'm like, yeah. okay, if it's if it's not looked at as racism, then it's the the theory of segregation, meaning we're going to do all of this work together. We're going to put our resources together. We're going to make the best situation for each one of us. And then we'll bring other people in to continue. I want us to take the roadmap that's already been laid out there by other nationalities and do the same. And the reality is we've seen it whether it was Seneca Village out in New York or um, Black Wall Street or, I mean, there's tons and tons of instances of Black folks becoming self-sufficient and outside influence coming in and trying to shut it down. Exactly. But, that was the point I was about to make. I was like, we've done yeah. it. We, we don't need somebody yeah. else's roadmap. We've done it. But every time yes. we do it, somebody destroys it. And after you just keep tearing it down, you know, people get tired and like, all right, to hell with it. And that's kind of yeah. where we are. <laughs> You know, and, and I like that. But the only difference is I wasn't a part of Black Wall Street. You know what I mean? So I'm not tired. I am willing to put in the work and willing to have everything taken away from me just to know that I put forth the effort to do something better. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think there's a lot of us. Todd, I believe in my heart of hearts. If right now we could create a Black Wall Street, you would be right there front line. And if we knew that the potential was somebody would come in and try to shut us down, you would still be right there, front and center. That's my firm belief. Oh, I'm and going I Malcolm X on them. You see what I'm saying? And me and you are not the only two. So to your point, yes, there's trauma, there's the worry, there's the fear, there's the trepidation, there's all these thoughts of the potential, but there's a massive pocket of us who are like, I'm about it anyway. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it's there. It's been done before by us, yes. And when I say the blueprint, I'm looking at 2021. You have other nationalities still doing it. And you have us, we're trying to do it in some spots, like that family out there in Georgia that we talked about that bought up all that land. But what has happened with that land? They haven't been able to get the support they need to blow it up. Where are all the, and, and I'm saying this, and this is kind of not fair, but I'm only saying it because of, the level that they can play at where all your celebrities whether it's entertainers in sports entertainers in music entertainers television movies that have the resources that will donate that money to black lives matter but here you have somebody who's bought land resources where are those folks at during that time so that's that's my thought yeah, and see, it's funny you say that because that's always kind of bothered me too. I'm like, man, you got all these, in a, and I get it. They got to build generational wealth for their family too. Like, and and like you said before, well, we can lead your water, but we can't make you make you drink. And then once you get there and you're drinking it and ain't doing nothing else, then we got another problem. But it's like, it's like, wow, if you like, let's use Kanye for example, right? He was in what like five hundred thousand dollars, five hundred million dollars of debt. And then he got with Kim Kardashian. Now he's his company is almost worth, you know, a billion dollars, mm -hmm. right? Like, I know it's like, oh, well, what if you just use, you know, ten or twenty million of that to help the mm -hmm. people, right? And you're like, well, I am helping the people. I'm doing this, this, and this, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, what if we? What, I, I think I think we we look at it at this in in a linear motion, right? Like instead of looking like. Well, how am I going to help all the people in America with $500 million, right? I can't give everybody a dollar. You know, so I can't give exactly. everybody money. It's like, well, why don't you just go out in the middle of, like, where, where Kanye is, out in the middle of Wyoming, mm -hmm. buy up 650 acres, mm -hmm. right? Build a bunch of 
shops and plazas, then put out the call and say, hey, if you're a black business and you need, you know, store space, boom, come here. I'm, I'm going to rent it to you for the cheap. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Now now we now we moving, right? Now we cooking. Yep. And it's like, okay, if if you doing online sales, we'll ship them out for you for free. You mm-hmm. just you just gotta make sure you put the money back in the city, boom, right? Yep. So you do that and you keep doing that all over the country. Yes, sir. And we yes, just sir. made we just made a new United States. <laughs> Man. And and to your point, imagine that same thought process. We ain't even got to go to Wyoming. Somebody's already bought a bunch of land. Why not partner with and, and put your paperwork in place? Why not partner with those folks out there in Georgia and say, hey, let's work together. I've got this amount of money to build out the infrastructure, whether it's um, the streets, whether it's the buildings, whether it's the plumbing, Whatever it is, the the uh, utilities for like internet and things like that, we get the state of the art, everything that we can, and then we'll work together to bring people in. And even if it's, hey, you got a business you want to start, we'll give you the first year rent free. You'll be in a lease, but you'll be rent free. You just have to maintain this standard. After that, you'll have to pay. And we'll help to get the business, boom, all of these things, and it becomes self-sufficient. And then to your point, you take that same model and you just move it city to city to city, as many cities as you can. Because what happens is, again, Black Wall Street was like the Mecca for Black people at that time. Imagine if there were more of those Meccas. Now, you can bomb one and, and say it was whatever you want to say, but how do you do that to 20 or 30 different cities? Well, they did it to like fifteen. <laughs> At least. I mean, same. I mean, same time. Same time. Yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, same time. Yeah, it's it's different when you can kind of spread it out and and, and call it what you want to call it. But like, you gotta you gotta blow up this part of Georgia. You gotta blow up this part of Nashville. Yeah. This part of Michigan, California, Oregon. Now we're like, all right. Now we can probably get a little bit more of the support from the American government to be like, hey. Y'all are killing black folks. Y'all keep killing us. We're just gonna start randomly killing y'all. Yep. Not you know, not that not, extreme, of course. Yeah, I was like, but you, you get what I'm nobody. saying. Don't, right. I don't want nobody to think we we ain't doing that. <laughs> but you get my point. Yeah. I, I'm saying it's like you know, reciprocated actions. Yeah. So. Well, now we out of time. Yeah, I figured as much. So, I'm I'm gonna say this. Um, a couple things. <clears throat> One. If you want to invest in real estate and you can't, you don't got a lot of money to do it, there is a black-owned company called NYCE. Um, You can invest in them right now um, on, like, WeFunder.com. You can download the app. Um, But anyway, they're a black company, and they're kind of like Robinhood, right, where you can buy fractional shares of stuff. Like, with Robinhood, well, you can buy fractional shares um of of property essentially right like property funds um in different cities so um black owned company out of i think they're based out of new york and they're they, they making some noise trying to get people trying to get land or get money in people's hand with land right so one thing second thing if you ain't in this crypto you, you're missing the boat we got to get you in the crypto game so you don't miss the boat right um you know, if if you follow crypto right now, one of the one of the biggest things that they're talking about is Shiba Inu coin, right? They say it's supposed to be the doggy killer or the Dogecoin killer, but um, I would pay attention to it because a lot of people are starting to buy into this. So if you can go get Shiba token, if you if you can, that's just that's just that's me. And only put in what you can put in, right? Don't put in, don't over overthink or you know overdo it. Just put in what you can put in, and try to get some of this free money out here. And those are my items. Well, I, I'll give somebody just something to research on their own. So, Killer Mike, Ryan Glover, Andrew Young, and, and I believe Hill Harper, uh, who, who's an extremely bi- brilliant brother, uh, another one of those Harvard grads, um, actor philanthropist (laughs) i want to say him and uh president obama are friends even but um there's something called the greenwood 
It's a black digital banking community. Go do your research on that because there's some ways where you can get involved on the front end. And, and some of these things we're talking about like right now, even with like like uh, cryptocurrencies, they're trying to create a, a version of that that's owned and operated. Uh, and when I say that, I mean like the app and, and then like the purchasing and all that by people of color. So check out the Greenwood, do your research uh, and, 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 you know, just enlighten yourself with things that are actually going on out there with people of color who are doing some things, but they're thinking next level. Yeah, I signed up for the wait list like a year ago. <laughs> and I still yes. ain't heard nothing back. Yeah, it's tough, man, because infrastructure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like building out that infrastructure and then housing all that, like shoot. Could you imagine if you're a black business starting up like a t-shirt company, but you don't have a warehouse to hold all the, the, the goods in? It's gonna take a minute to get there. So Yeah. Or you drop ship, right? Like you you or figure drops, it out. Yeah. You figure yeah, it out. You figure it out. But there's For a way, sure. there's a way. For sure. I agree. So but anyway, we are out of time. Um, I promise we're gonna get back to this um again with Therapeutic Podcast. So hopefully, um just just Joel's voice was therapeutic enough for you all. So <laughs> but anyway, um if we ain't got nothing, you ain't got nothing else, Joe. I'm good, man. Right. I'm good. We said a lot today. We sure did. We ain't got nothing else, so we out. Peace.